This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Knowledge at Wharton on Business Radio. Here's your host, Dan Loney. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Knowledge at Wharton, and a special edition of our show today as we are coming to you from the Reimagine Education Conference here in Philadelphia. You're going to hear conversations with various people looking at how education is going to be changing in the years to come, and as well because of the impact of digital and things like artificial intelligence. And it is also interesting to find out more about the education piece outside of the United States. It's a pleasure to uh, join us here at our Reimagine Education Conference Center uh, to Duncan Iveson, who is a Deputy Vice Chancellor at the University of Sydney in Australia. Nice meeting you. Thank great, you for being here. Great to be here. So when you come to a conference like this, what, what are your expectations uh, uh, of what you can gain out of it? Because we talked with a couple of our guests already about how the reimagining of education is truly a global initiative and not just something, as we're doing this here in the United States, something that's a U.S. concern. No, that's right. So education is a really, higher ed is a deeply globalized um, uh, industry, if I can put it that way. It's a deeply globalized uh, network. We're all uh, engaging with each other uh, across borders in all kinds of ways. Of course, in Australia, it's a highly globalized sector. Uh, at Sydney, more than 30% of our students are international students. Uh, in some institutions at Sydney, more than a third of our faculty are from overseas. Um, and, you know, the trends we're seeing, deep tech investment, new research on how students learn, the nature of research itself is deeply globalized. So these conferences are actually really important, and I think we're seeing more and more Australian, Canadian, uh, U.S., Asian in particular, the rise of the Asian universities getting together in these forums and really exchanging ideas, learning from each other. It's a very small world, uh, uh, the higher education sector. Is the education piece, even from K-12 all the way through higher ed, is the thought process of, of the support that you give to it and the importance it has on the society, is it basically the same as here in the U.S. or, or other places around the world? Oh, look, I mean, I think every country, every region has different cultures of education, if I can put it that way. So, in you know, the way that a high school system works uh, in Singapore is very different than it works in the U.S. and, again, different uh, in Australia and even different in Sydney as compared to Melbourne and other parts of Australia. So there are really important differences, but um, there are also increasingly really common challenges, problems, issues that we're all grappling with. And, you know, what's interesting to me is, so my job at Sydney is to look after the research activity of the university, to think and support our researchers. We're, uh, you know, 60,000 students, uh, you know, 7,000 staff, big institution, complex organization. Um, but when I meet with my fellow DVCs and vice presidents from around the world, we're all kind of struggling with the same things. So there are some common problems. There are also some really important differences, um, especially when you look at how school systems uh, integrate, uh, especially between K-12 and university. That's probably where there's the most variation, and, and, and yet at the same time, some really interesting um, uh, developments emerging as well. So what are, the, what are the conversation points in Australia about higher ed right now? 
Well, right now, one of the big issues, obviously, is um, how we make it sustainable over the long run and, and how universities can contribute to the social, economic, and cultural well-being of the country. And uh, in Australia, one of the biggest challenges we've got and, and one of the biggest opportunities is the rise of, uh, of the Asia-Pacific as a sort of global um, phenomenon. Um, the population... You know, the, the axis of the world is sort of tipping yeah. uh, to, the Asia, uh, to, to Asia. You're seeing extraordinary uh, d- uh, growth of the middle class in Asia. The demand for higher education is surging. And we're trying uh, to understand how we can be part of that extraordinary opportunity uh, at the same time as dealing with you know, challenges uh, in our own country. Well, when you have uh, the billions of people that you have yeah. in that part of the world yeah. and the proximity, relative proximity that you have, yeah. it, it's, it's a natural link to want to try and find. Absolutely. And, and like I said, it's an extraordinary opportunity. At Sydney, we have a long, for example, uh, relationship with China. We were the first university to which many Chinese intellectuals came after the Cultural Revolution. We've been first university to teach Mandarin uh, in Australia, one of the first in the world to do that. Um, we have over 15,000 Chinese students on our campus. Uh, and that is both an extraordinary privilege and raises all kinds of interesting challenges for us. At the same time, Sydney is a a university made in the image of the great European universities. We have a quadrangle that looks like a quadrangle at Oxford or Cambridge. Yeah. Uh, we have a deep relationship with the United States. I mean, one of our one of our big uh, research centers on campus is the U.S. Studies Center. So we have a U.S. Studies Center and we have a China Studies Center. Yeah. And to me, that kind of epitomizes this equilibrium point we're trying to find between uh, our position in the Asia-Pacific and our relation, existing long-term relationships with Europe and the United States. And, uh, you know, a lot of our research networks, our, our thinking about education, are being shaped by those two different, uh, I guess, partners um, uh, that we work with in the world. So uh, the, the issue, some of the issues here in the United States involve uh, the funding of schools. Yeah. And uh, is that a concern in Australia huge. as well? Yeah, huge. I mean, on, on the one hand, Australia, I think, has one of the most progressive, scalable solutions to the funding of higher education that exists, and that is an income-contingent loan scheme. No student pays a dollar up front for their tuition. They only start to pay it back when their salary hits a certain level, uh, mm-hmm. which is about 50,000 U.S. dollars, uh, 50,000 Australian dollars, probably about 45 U.S. Uh, thousand U.S. dollars. And to me, that's one of the most progressive <clears throat> ways of thinking about <clears throat> higher education funding. That's under enormous pressure, though. Um, uh, it's expensive. The government has to essentially underwrite yeah. the tuition costs of Australian um, students. But it's uh, a system also that has a lot of uh, public support. So um, the problem is, is it doesn't cover all the costs that universities have. And the rising costs of universities is something that's a big issue in the States. It's a similarly big issue um, in Australia, but for slightly different um, reasons. So you also have to deal with, uh, as well, the rise of digital and technology in the use of uh, of, of higher ed in, in Australia, just like we have here in the United States as well, which is another part to that economic piece that you talk about. Absolutely. So um, one of the things I've really enjoyed about the conference so far is understanding the landscape and the trends in ed tech investment. We haven't had the level of investment in uh, what you might call disruptive educational technologies uh, impact Australian higher ed or Australian um, K-12 education yet that you've had here, but it's coming. And of course, 
the companies that are investing in this area are globally oriented, mm-hmm. and China is undergoing an extraordinary growth in ed tech um, investment, and that will shape us in all kinds of ways for, for reasons we've already spoken about. So that digital disruption of higher ed, you know, like everything, I think it was overhyped uh, initially, uh, and, you know, um, Jeff Garrett, the dean at Wharton, was a very early prominent commentator on this in Australia. Um, I think we overestimated the impact, but we're probably underestimating the deep underlying trends that are coming. And that's something we've been talking about here at the conference. Duncan Iveson is Deputy Vice Chancellor at the University of Sydney. You're listening to Knowledge at Wharton here on Sirius XM 111, business radio powered by the Wharton School as we are at the Reimagining Education Conference here in downtown Philadelphia. So is the expectation of, of what the education piece is in Australia, where where is it going right now in, in the next decade or two? Where, what's the expectation for Every part of this, I mean, obviously there's funding, but there's also entrepreneurship. I mean, we're seeing that here in the United States. I would imagine you're seeing that at a certain Huge, level in yeah. Australia as well. Huge. So I think there's there's really two or three big um, issues for us. The first, as I've talked about, is the financial sustainability of the system. And how do you do that along the lines we've been doing it um, uh, until recently with this uh, publicly supported uh, uh, way of funding tuition? How do we sustain that? The second we've talked about is is, is um, digital disruption and how that's going to change the way we teach and how that's going to change the way students learn. And then the third, really interesting you've mentioned, uh, is the rise of entrepreneurship. And this is really, I think, exciting. You know, we have over a 1,000 students right now involved in some kind of uh, accelerator or startup program at Sydney. And that's students not just in the biz school, but across all of our faculties. We have students in our arts and social sciences faculty, in our med school, in our nursing school, in our across all the different domains. And there's a huge, I think, interest among young people today um, to uh, be entrepreneurs in whatever domain they're studying in. And actually, I think this is a very powerful way of, of, of not just, in a sense, creating their own career, but of learning. We're seeing these ideas of entrepreneurship uh, being um, uh, applied to social problems, cultural domains, not just business um, development, although there's a lot of interest there too, because we know that you, in order to scale up ideas to make an impact on society, you often need commercial partners and you need right. business partners to do that. Well, it ends up being the, the you know, you're winning on both ends yeah, of the yeah, spectrum right yeah. here is that maybe the goal originally is social, but it ends up having absolutely. the, the absolutely. financial component to absolutely. it as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So so that is a very exciting um, uh, and I think something, again, we've been talking about at the conference. How do we enable all of our students uh, and our faculty um, to uh, engage in that kind of activity. And it's also something that the various Australian levels of government are are getting excited about, although a friend of mine told me whenever a government gets excited about entrepreneurship, you know that it's probably <laughs> game over. <laughs> but we'll see. We'll, but, but we're seeing lots of support for programs and initiatives uh, in that space. It, it, you mentioned about the economic model and, and the sustainability in Australia. Is there a concern that that – if you stay on the path that has been traditional in Australia, that the sustainability is not there yeah. and you have to make this change in order yeah. for it to be sustainable no, moving I forward. That's right. So there's, there's two issues there. One is um, 
the government is concerned about the costs of our current uh, funding arrangements right. and whether it's sustainable and whether the community will continue to support those costs through taxation and through other means. And then on the other hand, there's concerns amongst families about um, graduate employability. Uh, although our employability rates are, are pretty good, you know, there's some pretty scary numbers uh, when you look at Europe, and, and, and I know it's a big issue in the States okay. about what students are doing once they graduate. Are they working in areas where that's connected to their degrees. Those issues are starting to emerge in Australia as well. I mean, we're lucky. Australia, and not just luck, probably good policy as well. Australia's had something like 27 years of economic growth that came through the GFC uh, in pretty good shape. So there's been a very robust economy supporting uh, our graduates, and we hope that continues. Is the piece that has grown here in the United States in recent years, the MBA piece, is that a piece that is growing as well in Australia? Look, I don't have the numbers to hand. I mean, we have a successful MBA program uh, at Sydney, but I think the MBA is is being massively disrupted uh, as we speak, and it's been a theme of some of the discussions uh, here. Um, it's, it's, it's an important uh, professional qualification in Australia. Um, it has, I think, still an important cachet amongst a certain group uh, cohort uh, of people. Um, but I think it's one of the areas that's being massively disrupted. You something we're thinking about. You mentioned ed tech for a second. Let me touch on that in the last minute or so that we have with you. Uh, we, we talk about how ed tech is trying to influence developing countries right now. Is it similar in terms of Australia, not necessarily on the developing side of things, but in terms of you know the want to bring more ed tech into Australia so that you can have an outside piece that is contributing to education in general? Absolutely. And I think the areas that um, you know, have been identified uh, over the last day or two here are similar in Australia. I think we'll see a lot of ed tech investment and, and I think transformation at the edges of work study. So using ed tech to connect students with uh, work integrated learning earlier mm -hmm. and, and more deeply into their degree, not just something they do in their last semester or in their summer break. I think that's one thing that's emerging. Secondly, in the whole area of, of how students learn and how we deliver our curriculum, we're relaunching our curriculum in 2018, the biggest uh, reform of our curriculum in over 100 years. And part of that is really enabling our students to do more uh, work-integrated learning, to work on projects with students from other faculties, to work on problems that our partners are giving us, and to do that in uh, digitally-enabled ways uh, as well. And I think those kinds of changes, we've thought a lot about our curriculum and, and the future and making it relevant and, and empowering for our students, a lot of those changes, a lot of the success of that kind of curriculum reform will depend on some of the investment that's occurring in the ed tech space. Great meeting you today. Thank you very Thanks. much. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.